Welcome to another edition of Made in Manitoba, a special one for us as we welcome back Lorena McKennett to the program as we celebrate her induction into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Raised in Morden, McKennett was inducted March 8th, International Women's Day, as part of a Women in Music Canada Honours event in Toronto. The two-time Juno Award winner has also been nominated for two Grammys and has sold more than 14 million records worldwide. Her songwriting career has spanned decades and firmly has its roots from growing up in southern Manitoba. Tonight, alongside Lorena, we look back at her career and songwriting influences as we play a collection of some of her most recent recent music and songs from the past. It's Lorena McKennett on Made in Manitoba. Welcome to another edition of Made in Manitoba. We're so excited to welcome back originally from Morden Lorena McKennett to the program. You may recall late last year, in fact, during Christmas, Made in Manitoba, Lorena was a part of our program and we highlighted music from her album Under a Winter's Moon. Now she is back and for a very special reason. In March, she was inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. We're so excited to have you back, Lorena. Thank you for being so so gracious with your time. So how about we start with your reaction to receiving the news and being inducted alongside folks like David Foster, Alanis Morissette, and Brian Adams. I was shocked. It wasn't something that I was expecting. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I think part of it comes from um, when one thinks of a singer-songwriter in this day and age, that it might be people writing different kinds of material than than the kind of material that I've been writing, which is more a pursuit of the history of the Celts and a travel kind of thing. Um, but but I've then I, once I got over the the shock, then I was very uh, honored, you know, feeling grateful for the recognition. And maybe just taking a, a step back and, and talking a little bit about being born and, and raised in Morden, how did that small town start for you influence your songwriting before you moved on to, to Winnipeg and, and ultimately southwestern Ontario? You know, with all due respect to many other wonderful communities in Manitoba, but I would very much say had I not had my beginnings in Morden, I probably wouldn't be in this career because my family was not particularly musical. My grandmother played piano when she came over to visit, but my father and my grand, my mother weren't particularly, they loved music and they danced to it. But the fact of the strength of the fabric of music in Morden at that time, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping it's somewhat <laughs> still intact now, um, was so uh, was so central to my musical development. Uh, just getting the basics of understanding music, at, but working with a couple of extraordinary music teachers. That when I look back now, uh, to find such talented people as Olga Friesen or Neil Hepner, um they they really out, almost outshine shone their their location. You would find people like this in much bigger centers. They were so influential. So I, I can't say enough about how uh, important and formative those years were for me. Uh, that then that gave me the basics. Then once I discovered the history of the Celts and listened to other instruments and other genres, I was able to take that foundation and then start molding my own music. Do you recall those first stirrings of wanting to express yourself creatively through lyrics and when you started pursuing your craft? When you look back on that now, what comes to mind? 
Well, there's there's a moment I remember that the piano that my grandparents had given us uh, that was sent over to our house in Morden, 2374th Street, and it was in the bedroom, uh, my bedroom. It wasn't a very big bedroom either, but I remember playing this little melody on the black notes, and that was my first recollection of a, of just a melody. Later on, when I was interested in folk music, it was before I became introduced to Celtic music, um, and I had purchased a, a guitar and I played it upside down and backwards. But I started, I wrote this song called Farewell to a Friend. And when I attended the music camp at the border of Manitoba, North Dakota, the international music camp, I remember singing it there and, and many of the, the, you know, my fellow campers were, seemed suitably you know, engaged with that piece. So those were the very, very first fledgling kind of moments. But I, I, I wouldn't really pursue it much. Um, I remember living in Winnipeg and the last years of in the 70s and writing a piece, which would have been more of a, a contemporary singer-songwriter kind of thing. It was just before I started off in the Celtic adventure. Uh, but um, then I got involved in scoring for film and theatre and, and my creative focus went in other directions. Let's broach that that move into uh, uh, the world of Celtic music and, and Celtic culture. How did that come about? How did you find yourself pursuing that? I think at the very, very first uh, element, it was actually a French teacher that we had in Morden. And she we, we she had brought some of her students over to her place and she had played some Baroque music. Now, that's not Celtic music, but it was the first period music that I'd heard and I thought oh there's something about this and there's a kind of modality and there's drones and so on and I thought oh that is really wonderful it wasn't until I, I took my grade 12 in Winnipeg at Balmoral Hall and then I stayed in Winnipeg for a few more years and in those years I was starting to attend some folk clubs I think there was a place on Broadway called the Ting and then I I got connected with I don't remember exactly how I met a harp maker from Winnipeg called Larry Fisher, wonderful harp, harp maker. And he really was the conduit to he to the Celtic music. He had many albums, but he was also involved in um, a folk club that was in a woodworking shop down Main Street. And folks were from Ireland and Scotland and England, and people would gather there on a Sunday evening in the, this woodworking shop where they'd bring their instruments, and they would play tunes and share tunes and share albums. And that was really the big introduction. And I think the the, the recordings that were most seminal for me would have been Alain Stavel's uh, Celtic Harp Renaissance, and Alain is from the Brittany region of France, uh, there were a couple of other bands, Planksty and Bothy Band from Ireland, Steelites Band from England. So once I heard this, it was it was really like love at first, you know, listening. <laughs> I was smitten by it. And I knew that even if I would not go on to uh, perform that music, it was something that clearly connected with me.
That was Lorena McKennett's song Lost Souls on Made in Manitoba as we celebrate her induction into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Found in 1998, the hall was created to honor and preserve Canada's rich songwriting heritage and to honor Canadian songwriters who have dedicated their lives to the legacy of music. Anne Murray, Burton Cummings, Ian Tyson, and Joni Mitchell are some of the individuals in the Hall of Fame, with McKennett now joining that list. Possibly her most famous song, at least from a radio play perspective, is the Juno-nominated The Mummer's Dance, released in late 1997 from her album The Book of Secrets. Now here's the thing, the ultimate popularity of the song completely caught Lorena and her team by surprise. She'll share the story behind the song and its unexpected connection with listeners after this.
I did want to take a moment and and talk a little bit about one song in particular, the the Mummers Dance, which a lot of folks are familiar with. It it probably is one that that many who um, are even just casually familiar with your career have probably heard it at some point over the years on the radio. You know, it was late 1997 when that song came out and hit the airwaves, and I, I'd love to know the story behind it and and just whether you were surprised uh, that it took off as big as it did. Yes, it, I mean, I was immensely surprised um, because, as a rule, the nature of my music would not be what one would consider commercial radio material. You know, when I'm doing Lady of Shalott for, you know, Tennyson poem for 12 minutes. But but I, I, the, 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 I mean, that, there is a... Hmm. The tale of that is... Um, there's different chapters of it, so I'll see... <laughs> that I, I, I've always been interested in festivals and rituals and mythology and folklore and where all that, that kind of thing meets. And I've, I had seen this art, this article in um, on, uh, the Aer Lingus magazine, uh, Christy McMahon, I think was his name, photographer had gone to Kerry taking image uh, photos of uh, these mummers that were out doing their cascading of, you know, getting all dressed up. And I thought, oh, that would be so interesting to create a piece on that. And ultimately, through the research that I made, I had uh, found, oh, connections to hobby horses. I found a mummer's song, a folk song, and I lifted one of the lyrics of the chorus and built that into my piece. Anyway, when I went to the studio at, at Peter Gabriel's studio in England at Real World, and when we were starting to record the Book of Secrets, I hadn't finished writing everything, and I hadn't finished writing. Mummer's Dance was just kind of still a very uh, early idea. And I had asked my colleague Brian Hughes to work with the engineer in the main uh, control room while I worked in the back room, uh, still writing away. And I said to my colleague Hugh Marsh, uh, because I'm a very insecure songwriter, and a composer. So I invited him in. I said, I played some chords and some of the rudimentary ideas of the Mummer's Dance. And I said, do you think I should still work on this? Do you think I should, do you think this has a chance? And he says, oh, yeah, no, I think you should continue working. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, we did. Uh, but what was fun in that time it was May of May of '97 when we were still because it's very close to the wire. I remember it was the time of the UK election, uh, but also on the first of May they have these hobby horse, uh, this May Day festival in Padstow in England, and we all tore down to Padstow and they had these hobby horses from two bars that would go out and this this carol that was sung throughout the whole village. It was just you know, anyways, glorious. It goes on and on. There's a whole Turkish connection to <laughs> say that for another time. <laughs> as we kind of come to the close here, just about the longevity of, of songwriting and music, as someone who's been involved in this craft for as long as you have, what does it mean to you to, to have the ability to, to write music, to write lyrics that could last well after they're released and, and well after you've moved on to whatever's next for you? What does that mean to you to be to be a part of that, to have that legacy, if you will. It's an interesting line of, of reflection because I feel so very, very blessed to have landed on the career path that I have, to use it as an, a vehicle for my education that I was would never go on to have beyond my grade 12 years 
uh, to respond to that creative impulse and put that into something. But I also have understand that, you know, we all live and we die and in, you know, some of our work will probably disappear with us. So it, it, for as long as it seems to have a life and have a relevance to people, of course, I'm I'm happy for that. But I, I, I also realize that uh, in the practicalities of things, it may be with us for a little while while I'm here and when I'm gone. But beyond that, it may just likely disappear. And you realize that you're a brick in the road of humanity and the unfolding of the universe. So. And we'll wrap up just with a mention of uh, definitely, I think this is exciting news for, for your fans. You're hitting the road again. You're going to be touring again. Tell us what you can about that. Well, last fall, we, we were able to head out on, and do an anniversary uh, performance of The Visit, which was the 1991 performance. So as we've been able to see our way to other parts of the world, we're going to be launching a tour in the fall, predominantly in the United States and the Northeast. But we will be traveling as far west as Minneapolis. And we also felt that this would be an opportune time to come back into Canada and do some more dates. It's been extremely difficult to tour uh, west of Ontario uh, for a variety of reasons. And I said, mm, we, we better nab this opportunity. So I think we're going to be in Winnipeg uh, somewhere around. I don't have the date right with me, but somewhere around Remembrance Day. Normally, we're here in Stratford because my team mount the Remembrance Day service here. But uh, we're making other plans for it, and we'll be in Winnipeg and Saskatoon and Calgary and Edmonton. So we're really looking forward to it.
That's Lorena McKennett and A Hundred Wishes as we wrap up Made in Manitoba, as we toast her for being inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. And we're also really excited to share that she will be touring a Western Canada later this year with a Winnipeg date expected around Remembrance Day. More details are coming soon on that. Thank you for listening tonight. And again, our appreciation to Lorena for making the time to connect with her Southern Manitoba home for Made in Manitoba. For Chris Sumner and producer Zach Drieger, I'm Michelle Sawatsky. Good night.